And God, we pray, would your spirit come and open our eyes that we might see and open our ears that we might hear and understand and receive the seed of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week, um, I was listening to this podcast interview with Vincent Harding, who was one of the great leaders of the civil rights movement, a friend and a colleague of Dr. King. It was on this podcast called On Being with Krista Tippett on NPR, if any of you listened to it. But I just encourage you to listen to it. It was done in 2014, um, before he died. Um, and that interview and what he shared feels um, just more relevant um, than ever today. And so Krista Tippett was asking him about the healing link between religion and social transformation. And this is what he said. He said, um, let's remember that the community that helped to create King, wait, let's remember that the community that helped to create King and that he then helped to nurture was a community deeply grounded in the life of religion and spirituality. This was their way of being. Everyone near him knew that he took very seriously this traditional, beautiful terminology when he said that what he was seeking was not simply equality or rights, but the creation of the beloved community. He saw everything that crushed against our best human development and communal development, like segregation and white supremacy, when he moved to break down those laws and practices, he was doing it not simply as an act of civic action, but of deep spiritual responsibility, seeing our best possibilities as a nation, even when others couldn't. He was seeing this because he was seeing it with an eye that was deeply filled with love and compassion. And that eye opens us up to see many things that might otherwise be missed. The civil rights movement that King led was both politically and spiritually rigorous. That was a point of this interview. And their actions flowed from hearts that were formed by the biblical vision of the kingdom of God that the prophet Isaiah foretold of in our passage today and many other passages. That vision that Jesus and the apostles proclaimed and demonstrated through their ministry. You know, another way of, another way of talking about the kingdom of God is just saying it's God's dream for the world, the beloved community and the healing of all creation. And in today's gospel reading that Denise read, Jesus tells this parable of the sower to illustrate what kind of conditions does the seeds of the kingdom need in order to grow? There are specific conditions that it grows in, and then there are some that it does not grow in. And he talks very specifically about four different kinds of soil, representing four different kinds of people. So first of all, he says, there's um, the ground or soil that's hard. So, so Jesus says, seeds fell on this path, but the ground is so hard that it never penetrates the surface. This is the hard-hearted person, never open to growing or to learning or open to new possibilities. And this kind of person has very set ideas about the way that the world works and about what people are like and about what is right and what's wrong. They know and they don't need anybody to teach them. 
And the problem with this kind of hardness of heart is when you're hardened of heart, hardness begets hardness. You start to lose the capacity to receive anything new. The second kind of soil that Jesus talks about is the shallow soil. And in this case, the seed falls, but there's not much depth of soil there. So it never really takes root. And then when the sun comes, it just scorches what the little thing that's grown, little shoot that's grown, and it withers. And this is the person who initially receives God's word with enthusiasm, but then when things just get too hard, they fall away. So that's a shallow person. And then thirdly, there's the thorny person. So this seed gets life choked out of them by thorns. And this person, they hear the word, but they get so preoccupied by the cares and the anxieties of the word, world and the lure of wealth, they get distracted. And so it's those things that become their primary center of attention, their primary point of orientation, their ultimate reality, so that the kingdom of God gets pushed out of the center of their hearts and minds. And then finally, he comes to uh, the fourth soil, which is the good soil. What is good soil? So in this passage, um, the word here occurs 14 times. And what that means is that hearing is really important to Jesus. So in, in, the, in the Hebrew language, there's actually no word for obey. There's only the word for hear. And that's because in the Hebrew mindset and worldview, to hear is to understand, and to understand is to obey. And there's really no such thing as hearing something and then not doing it. So if you don't do it, if you don't obey, then you haven't really understood and you haven't really heard. And that's why Jesus says, let anyone with ears listen. And my guess is, if I were to take a vote of all of you listening to me right now and say, how many of you want to be hard soil? You know, how many of you want to be shallow? How many of you want to be thorny? You know, my guess is that I hope that no one would raise their hands because everyone, of course, wants to be good soil. Now, one thing that's just true is that just as human beings, we can't make anything grow. So the Apostle Paul in his letters says only God can make things grow. But what we can do is that we can create the conditions for growth. We can create the conditions for our hearts that are good soil and then bear the fruit of God's kingdom in our lives and in our world that so desperately needs it. And so here are some characteristics as I reflect on what is good soil. Good soil is humble and teachable. Good soil says, I've got something to learn here. I may not know everything. I have blind spots. A blind spot by definition is something that you cannot see. So if you think that you don't have blind spots, that means you have a blind spot about your blind spots. You know, it usually means that if I have something to learn, it usually means that I then have something I need to unlearn. If I need to receive something, it usually means that I need, I'm going to have to let something that I've been holding on to go. 
I think about our own denomination, you know, the Episcopal Church. And I feel very grateful that the Episcopal Church is a church that deeply values social justice and racial justice. And it's still a predominantly white church. When I became a priest in our diocese and I had to start attending clergy conferences, I may get in trouble for saying this, but it often felt like listening to a bunch of white, woke people all trying to outwoke each other, you know, pontificating about race and social justice without seemingly being aware of how much space they were taking up in the room rather than creating space for other voices. It was a blind spot. And the temptation about being woke is that you're like, well, we're not like those red state white people. You know, and in the meantime, you're completely blind to your own blind spots. And the humble, teachable person says, I've got something to learn. I don't see everything clearly. And so even with what I just said, I could sit here and go ahead and criticize woke white clergy, or I could criticize white evangelicals, but it's important for me, to, and it's important for me actually, to speak as, a, as one of the few women of color in the clergy, it's important for me to, to speak up and, and say the things that I see. But in the end, for me too, to also be humble and teachable, I have to ask, well, what do I have to grow in? You know, where are my own blind spots? You know, I, my own heart needs to be good soil. So it's being humble and teachable. And good soil hearts are also hearts that create space to listen. So I'm not a gardener, um, but I do know that in order for growth to happen, you've got to create space for growth. That means you've got to remove the dead growth. You've got to pull up the weeds. You have to make room for life to grow. And there's so much that's going against these seeds, right? There's birds that are hungry. There's a scorching hot sun. There are thorns that are trying to choke things. And you know, you gotta root for these seeds to grow. And the question that I wanna pose to us this morning is how can you create space to listen, especially now, you know, to God, to others, to voices that are different than your own echo chamber? You know, how are we going to create space to listen um, how we do that, it's going to look different for each of us in different seasons of our lives. I remember um, talking to young one, one young mom who was saying that for her to just create space to listen, she would just go into her bathroom for two minutes and sit on the toilet seat and just be quiet for those two minutes. And that was how she spent time listening to God. You know, yesterday, on, on Saturdays, I try as much as possible to Sabbath, and I just decided, you know what, there's just been so much noise, I'm, I'm just not even going to go on social media at all um, yesterday. And that felt good, like creating space. You know, creating space also looks like, what are the wounds from my past that sometimes hold me back from growing more fully into the loving person that God has called me to be? You know, creating space to listen. And the last thing that I'll say about having good soil hearts is um, that good soil hearts are wholehearted. So if you don't know this about me, I'm a big fan of Brene Brown and her work about vulnerability. And she talks a lot about what it means to be wholehearted. One of the things she says when she talks about vulnerability is she says that we cannot selectively numb our negative emotions without numbing our positive ones. So if you numb, 
fear, anger, sadness, you're also going to numb your capacity for joy and love and belonging. And in a similar way, in order for your heart to be good soil for God's kingdom to grow, you cannot selectively love. I mean, that was the heart of Jesus's message, to love your neighbor, to love your enemy, to forgive. You can't love someone in your tribe, whether that tribe is racial, social, political, or spiritual, and then hate or be hostile and condescending to someone from another tribe without foregoing your capacity to love. You can't say black lives matter, but then when decisions are on the table that may impact your child's schooling and you fight tooth and nail to keep the status quo system so that your child benefits at the expense of black and brown children, you can't do that. You can't say, God is here on Sunday mornings at church, but then when you're out and about at work or school or out socializing, well, that's a different story. You know, wholehearted spirituality means a whole life spirituality. And that's how we make space for the kingdom of God to grow. Now, the thing that I love most about this story is the sower. And the sower represents the Lord. And the Lord is just indiscriminate. You know, God is just throwing seed all over the place because he sees the possibility of life everywhere, even in the hardest, shallowest, thorniest of places. And in that sense, despite how hard, shallow, and thorny the soil is, the sower is still hopeful. You know, he's what one person calls a high-risk sower. And that's what we see in Jesus time and time again. You know, Isaiah says that as rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there until they have watered the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish that which I purpose and succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God knows, and Jesus preached, that the kingdom of God is at hand, that there is nothing that can stop it. The only question we have is, will it take root in our own hearts? And by God's grace, yes. You know, we can partner with God by creating those conditions to be teachable and humble, to create space to listen to God's voice, to be wholehearted and to not hold back the love of God. And then we can join Jesus in scattering that seed full of hope that it will bear 30, 60, 100-fold, this miraculous fruit for the healing of our nation, of our world, and for ourselves. So would you join me in just praying um, a prayer for this to be true? God, we come before you, and we need your mercy. Lord, we fully confess that our hearts are hard, they are thorny, um, they are shallow, but we want our hearts to be good soil. So God, may you do that miraculous work of growing life in us, God. We cannot do it in our own strength. God, the hostilities are too powerful. The wounds are too powerful. It all seems so difficult and so hard. And yet, God, we join you in your hope for this world, that as you generously scatter the seed in the most difficult of places, God, that we will plant alongside of you, Lord, and nurture those seeds that they might grow up to bear the beautiful fruit of your kingdom. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.